Well, I feel like I need to first of all maybe add a correction to Mike's announcement. In our family, when we see legs sticking out of the back of a pickup truck, we all lean in and say, ooh, what did they get? So no trauma there, but I know for some it could be. So love hunting season and uh, uh, just uh, it's been good. Uh, I know uh, Pastor Tim and Alyssa uh, got away this weekend and uh, Alyssa got her first deer ever. And I am sure you will hear about it in the coming weeks. So that's all I'm going to say. But let's just say uh, uh, it, it was a good weekend this weekend. And so uh, uh, it's been good. So they'll be heading back, I think, later today and, and be back in this week. So glad he could get away. Well, Pastor Tim's been walking through the series the last few weeks. And, and the title is All I Need. And it's just been a, a, an awesome reminder of the fact that, that Christ is sufficient. That he is all that we need, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what is going on in our life. And two weeks ago, um, as Pastor Tim worked through, it was all I need in his grace. And we checked off that box that his grace is enough. It is all that we need in the moment, no matter what we're going through. Last week, we looked at all that I need in his word. And the fact that no matter what is going on in our life, His word has answers and and how we can go and make that a part of our life and and spending time daily and at times even moment by moment looking into his word, spending time with Jesus Christ and then applying it to our lives. And he's got answers to whatever we're going through. This week, we're going to look at all that we need and his hedge of protection. And we're going to do something a little different because I'm using that term hedge of protection and it actually comes from Job chapter 1. And we're not going to look at that passage specifically today. We're going to be in another passage. But but I just wanted to, to kind of prime the pump a little bit here in, in understanding the hedge of protection. And do you remember back in the first chapter of Job? When it says that Satan walked in before the throne of God and God said to Job, uh, said to Satan, Hey, have you seen my servant Job, who's a blameless man? And uh, Satan said these words here in, in verses nine and 10. He said, then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and have increased his land. And so we see that idea here. And actually it was Satan who said this. That Look, God, you have put this hedge of protection around your servant Job. And we get that idea of how God protects through that hedge of protection. And I want you to be thinking about that as we look into the next passage. And as I was thinking through this protective hedge, I, I did some... Some research here the last couple of weeks, and we got a pick here. This is uh, the hedge that they will put together in Africa. Uh, when they're camping out on safari and other times even around the villages. And, and this, these, are, these are thorn and sticker bushes that they, they put together and pile up around the outside. And it's to keep the lions out. And, and while that, that, that hedge there... Those bushes right there may not be an insurmountable uh, uh, obstacle that that can cross over. It's definitely a very strong deterrent. 
And it's, it's definitely something that keeps the lion out. And I think that's the idea that we want to be looking at here this week is understanding that God in His sovereignty has a hedge of protection around us. And literally what it means is nothing will happen to us that God doesn't allow. That, that doesn't pass through the hand of God. No matter what the attack, no matter where the attack comes from. Yet still God is sovereign in the midst of that and God is going to use it and grow us through it. So just keep that in mind as you now turn over to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to camp out in Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34, and the ushers are going to make their way down front. And if you need a Bible, just slip up your hand. They'll get put one in your hands, and you can borrow that here for this morning. And, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. And understanding the context of what's going on in this passage of Scripture, Matthews 5, 6, and 7 are a passage of Scripture uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. And as Jesus was starting his earthly ministry, uh, he started off and he had some a collection of disciples. And it says, and one day he went out onto the countryside and he sat down to teach them. And, and they all kind of gathered around. And that's where we see this discord, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus was doing was basically going through. And over and over, you hear the phrase said, uh, it says, you have heard that it has been said. And he would tell what the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees were. And then he says, but I tell you. And he would clarify what it is that God really intended in that. And all of it was centered around, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what God's kingdom looks like. And so we're going to jump into chapter 6. And we're kind of jumping into the middle of this discourse, the Sermon on the Mount. So that, you can, so that you know the context in there. And, and point number one, replace your worry with faith. God promises to provide. Point number one, replace your worry with faith. God promises to provide. In verse 25 here, let's read. It says, Therefore, and around here when we hear therefore, we say, what's the... Therefore, therefore. That's right. He starts off with this connecting word and it ties into the verses just before that. On the section there in verses 19 to 24, Jesus was saying things like, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, love the one and hate the other. You're going to have to choose between God and money and stuff. And the whole idea of that passage is this. You need to decide, where's your worship? What is it that you're going to go after in worship? Are you going to worship what's eternal, what is divine, or are you going to worship the stuff of here? And you've got to choose which is going to be your master, which and which, which you will worship today. And so that's the preceding verses. And so because of all that, then Jesus says, verse 25, therefore, because you need to choose where your worship is and the fact that we should be going after the eternal things, he gives these words. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
what you shall eat and what you shall drink, nor where your, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So the first thing he says is, I tell you this, do not be anxious. Avoid the anxiety. Do not be worried. And that's really the heart of what we're going to talk about today is, is the idea of worry and anxiety. And, you know, it's kind of a big deal right now, isn't it? What's a big deal with this? The issue of anxiety. The issue of worrying. I uh, pulled some statistics here the other day. This is from the anxietycenter.com. 65% of Americans take prescription drugs, medications daily. 43% take mood-altering prescriptions regularly. There was over 3.3 billion prescriptions filled in, a, in America in 2002 when they, where these statistics come from. 12 times the population of the U.S. That's 12 prescriptions for every man, woman, and child in the U.S. a year. Paxil and Zoloft, two of the more popular anti-anxiety medications, rank 7th and 8th in the top 10 prescribed medications in the U.S. Uh, These medications total almost $5 billion in sales in 2002. Also, they mentioned recreational drugs and alcohol are commonly used to handle anxiety. Is it a big deal? Do we struggle with this a lot? I think we do. We're going to walk through this. And so what's Jesus saying? He's saying, don't be anxious. In the King James, it says, give no thought for anxiety. To be anxious, to be worried, to to feel troubled over something, to be uneasy, to have a, a fear of the future. And truly, worry and anxiety is rooted in fear. What are we talking about when we're talking about anxiety? What are we talking about when we talk about fear? Fear and anxiety is rooted in, I'm sorry, worry and anxiety is rooted in fear. What we're really talking about is fear. And so Jesus starts off here and he says, don't be worried about these things, what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and and all of these things. I've got it covered, literally, is what we're going to see. And so he lays out and gives four different examples, four different reasons why we don't need to worry, starting with the first one in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? So look at the birds in the air. And literally what God's saying is, look at these, while they be insignificant part of creation... They don't do anything. Have you ever seen a a bird planting a seed? Have you ever seen a a bird watering a plant? Have you ever seen a bird coming and harvesting crops or any of those things? They don't do any of that. They are busy. They just go around and gather up whatever it is that is available. But they don't do anything to prepare their food. And yet it says, but God takes care of them. 
God takes care of the birds in the air is what Jesus is saying. And he also says, look, if I'm concerned about these small, insignificant birds, how much more do you think I care about you? How much more valuable to me are you than even the birds and they're cared for? Secondly, he goes on and says, verse 27, and which of you being anxious can add one single hour to his span of life? So first we see the birds. Secondly, we see our life and our life expectancy. And so how many of you by worrying or by fretting or by staying up late or by pacing or wringing of the hands or whatever it is that's going on in your life, how many of you have added any life any days to your life by doing those things. On the contrary, you may have taken some days off of your life from the stress and anxiety that it causes. God says, look, I've got that covered too. When it comes to your life, when it comes to the days in your life, I've got it covered. When it comes to the birds of the air, I've got it covered. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? This is going to come in really handy in our house at Christmas time with my girls. Why are you anxious about clothing? No more correcting dad that he doesn't match when I come down the stairs there. That's like that. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and alive And tomorrow is thrown into the oven. He will not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. He says, look at the lilies of the field. Look at these wild flowers that we see out in the middle of of the pasture. and, And no one even planted them. They're just growing up wild. And a part of God's creation, he says, compare that to Solomon in all of his grandeur, the wealthiest of wealthiest that built the temple that was laden in gold and all of the things and splendor and magnificent of Solomon. He says, look, even that can't compare to the beauty of what God has created with the, with the flowers that grow wild in nature and creation. If God can do this, And they don't do anything to provide for themselves. How much more can God take care of whatever it is going on in your life? Is God concerned about these things? Is God concerned about my needs and wants and desire? Is God even concerned about some of the the issues of, of, of what we wear in that? He says, look, he takes care of creation. He takes care of the birds. He's got our lives in his hand. He takes care of the lilies. And then fourthly, the example given in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious saying what we shall eat and what we shall drink and what we shall wear. For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. He says, even the Gentiles... Even the non-Jews, and he's talking here to a Jewish audience, and he's saying, even those who do not follow me, we would say today, even an unbeliever, even one who is not a follower of Christ, they're worried about these things, and you're imitating them. 
But you have the promises of God. I've made you promises. I will take care of you. Don't imitate them. And oh, by the way, even in that, I take care of them in common grace. And saying, there's no need to worry. And I, I skipped over a phrase there, but it's a key phrase in this passage. Go back up to the end of verse 30, and it gets to the heart of what's really going on. It says, Oh, you of little, what? Faith. Anxiety, worry, equals a lack of faith. I'll say that again. Anxiety and worry equals a lack of faith. That's really what he's talking about here in this passage. Replace your worry with faith because God has promised to provide. God said, look, as I took care of all of these things, so I will take care of you. Trust me. Trust me with whatever is going on. Now, I want to be careful because we need to understand that doesn't mean, and God's protection doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen. On the contrary, we go through tough times and sometimes very tough times. But even in the midst of that, God still has his protective hand around us. God's still using that to grow us and sometimes in ways we don't even see in the moment. Someone once said it this way, the average person's anxiety is focused on 40% of the time things that will never happen. 30% of the time, things about the past that we can't change anyway. 12% of the time, things about criticisms from others, many times not even true. 10% of the time, about health, which by the way gets worse with stress. 8% of the time, the things that we're worried about are actually about real problems that we're facing. We worry about so many things. Anxiety. Worry. is such a problem. Isn't it? Or is it just me? Nah. So what does that look like? What does anxiety look like? I pulled up a a list of, of things here kind of read through a little bit maybe you can relate to this i'll just tell you a little less than a decade ago anxiety had a stranglehold on me i had a period in my life that i i I literally i lost 30 pounds in about five weeks Um, couldn't couldn't hardly eat couldn't sleep man was just at a point of just spiraling out of control and, and thoughts and anxiety and just had a, a, a terrible grip on me. And here's some of the, the emotional symptoms of anxiety. See if any of these resound with you. Apprehension of dread. Trouble concentrating. Tense and jumpy. Anticipating the worst. Irritability. Restlessness. Watching for signs of danger. Feeling like your mind is going blank. Some of the physical symptoms of anxiety. A pounding heart. Sweating. 
stomach upset or dizziness. That was me. Nervous stomach. Thought I had the flu. Only it wasn't the flu. So I stopped eating. Frequent urination or diarrhea. Shortness of breath. Tremors or twitches. Muscle tension. Headaches. Fatigue. Insomnia. Symptoms of an anxiety attack. Anybody ever had a panic attack? What does that look like? Well, it's a surge of overwhelming panic. A feeling of a loss of control. Heart palpitations. Chest pains. I had my first stress test at 32. Got a history of heart disease in my family. It's true. But the pain that I was feeling had nothing to do with heart. Feeling like you're going to pass out. Trouble breathing. Hyperventilation. Hot flashes or chills. Trembling or shaking. Nauseous or stomach cramps. Feeling detached or unreal. Any of those sound familiar? Statistically, I just hit a lot of this in the room, didn't I? So let me ask you, what is it with you? What is it with you? What's, what's tripping you up in the area of worrying? What are you spending time and effort stewing over and worrying about? What is it that you're not trusting God in, in your life? Where do you struggle with that? You got it? You have it in mind? Now the next question is, so what do we do with it? So how do we handle it then? If we're not to worry, what are we supposed to do with it? And I'm glad you asked. Verse 33. And point number two. Change your focus. Pursue pleasing God in the moment and living for eternity. Change your focus. Pursue pleasing God in the moment and living for eternity. In verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to start with that word. But first of all, before you do anything else, Jesus is saying, the very first thing you do as we're dealing with worry and you're struggling with worry in your life, first of all, seek. Take your eyes off whatever it is that's causing the problem and turn them towards seeking, pursuing, looking after the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is, is literally, it, it, it's God's sovereign reign. It's, it, it's partially fulfilled in the moment in his kingdom and it's going to fully be filled and completed someday that is to come. But it's God's sovereign reign is the kingdom of God. As Jesus started his ministry and even before that, remember John the Baptist started preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is preaching this message and in the Sermon on the Mount and he's saying, look, this is what the kingdom of God looks like and this is what it is as God's sovereign reign over all of us that will ultimately be culminated with his earthly reign that comes in the future. But God's kingdom, but seek after God's kingdom. Pursue God's sovereign control. 
When I worry, I'm trying to protect my kingdom instead of seeking after God's kingdom. Say that again. When I worry, I'm trying to protect my kingdom instead of seeking after God's kingdom. What do I mean by that? My kingdom. Which, by the way, high fear, generally high control comes. And so I try to start, and I start to build my kingdom. And it's the things that I want. The things that I think should be. The things that I want other people to be doing. And all of these things and building in my kingdom when I'm king, and I'm always king of my kingdom. This is the way I want it. And when something starts to threaten my kingdom, then I start to go into protective mode. And then I'm so concerned and the fear raises up because I'm losing control of my kingdom. Worry and anxiety. It's protecting my kingdom. And what's the fix to that? Well, Jesus says, first, when you're dealing with that before you do anything else, get your eyes off of your kingdom and seek after my kingdom is what God says. But seek my kingdom. Make sure my kingdom and my righteousness, living life right here and now for His glory so that He would be pleased with what's going on now and and looking forward to His eventual kingdom so that everything I'm doing, I'm not doing ultimately for the here and now, but I'm doing for eternity. I'm laying up my treasures in heaven, the preceding passage said. I'm always looking towards the eternal and His kingdom. And all of these things, the things of food that we eat, which is important, the clothes that we wear, our life expectancy and all those things, all of those things, he says, don't worry about that. I got it covered. And all these things will be added to you. I've got all that taken care of. You don't need to worry about that. You just need to concern yourself with seeking after me and my righteousness. So change your focus. Pursuing God in the moment. Living for His kingdom. In verse 34, it says, therefore. And when we hear therefore, we say, because of that, now, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble (laughs) i don't know i I think maybe i would have worded this a little different because it sure seems like it reads to me is don't worry about tomorrow's problems you got way too much to worry about today (laughs) clearly that's not what he's saying because he just got done saying don't be worried about that literally what he's saying is stop bringing in tomorrow's problems you got stuff you're dealing with today and oh by the way i'm sufficient to handle that too But when we're worrying about tomorrow, we're taking tomorrow's problems, tomorrow's what-ifs. And we start bringing them in and piling them up higher and higher and higher. And it's it's no wonder that we get so buried and so fearful and and so under the weight of all of that could be and might be and whatever it it, it could be that that I'm going to lose in my kingdom. And literally what we're doing is, remember that picture of the hedge of protection that I started with? Literally what we're doing is, is we're adjusting that picture. And we're just opening up a wide gate in God's hedge of protection. And we're inviting 
the enemy in. And I'm taking tomorrow's problems and I'm inviting them in for today. And literally what Jesus is saying is, don't worry about tomorrow's but We got it covered. You are protected in that. Just take, it, just take care of what's on your plate right now. And I'm going to walk that through with you today. So here you go. So how do we do that? Seven ways to fend off worry. Seven ways to fend off worry. Number one, name your pressure. Name your pressure. What is it that's getting you anxious? What is it that you're worried about? Then I'm going to say, take it one step further and say, what is it? And then I'm going to say, what is it really, though? My boss comes in and yells at me about something. Am I worried about my boss yelling at me or or am I worried about losing my job because my boss yelled at me? What is it really? What's that really that pressure that I'm feeling right now that I'm starting to get anxious and worried about? Number two, identify how how you express your anxiety. Identify how you express your anxiety. What are, what are your symptoms? I've told you some of mine. I couldn't sleep. I'd wake up at four in the morning. I was making lists and doing all kinds of control. High fear, high control. I wasn't eating. Lost a ton of weight. Things like that. I know, I kind of need another attack like that again. Here, I could drop a few pounds, I know. Not the way you want to go about doing it, though. Number three. Ask yourself, why am I so anxious? What is the fear? What's the fear in this anxiety and worry? What is it? Why am I anxious over this? And then take it one step further. What's the desire that's feeding the fear? Anytime that there is fear, there is first a desire that feeds the fear. Give you an example. I'm afraid of heights. I'm not, but let's just say I'm afraid of heights. The truth is I'm really not afraid of the height as much as I am hitting the ground from a large height. Right. And so there's a fear there of I I, I don't like being in high places. I don't want to fall and the fear of falling. And and so what's the desire? The desire is really self-protection, isn't it? I want to be healthy. I want to feel good. I want to be intact. (laughs) And that there's a desire that then feeds the fear that then causes the worry. That make sense? And so what what is it that, that I'm anxious about? What's the fear? And then what's the desire in there? What is it that I'm trying? What is it about my kingdom that I'm trying to build in the moment right now? Number four, which promise of God speaks to that fear and that desire. So which promise of God? We looked last week of, of the fact that we have His Word. And one of the key things about His Word is the fact that we see so many of the promises of God and so many ways in which God says, I've got you covered. I've taken care of this. And so what promises can we find in God's Word that speaks to this fear, that speaks to this worry, this anxiety, that speaks to this desire that's feeding that 
and start reviewing those promises and saying, is God believable in this? Is literally what I'm, what I'm saying with this. And then number five. If I have trouble trusting God in that, number five, where have I seen God faithful in the past? Where have I seen God faithful in the past? Should be an easy thing this week. We're, we're going into Thanksgiving week and this Thursday and, and you probably like many of us make it a part of our Thanksgiving uh, rituals and traditions as we go around and share some things that we're thankful for and where we've seen God work in our lives even in the past year and share that. Well, guys, that shouldn't be a Thanksgiving thing. That should be a everyday thing. Nothing wrong with doing it at Thanksgiving, but that should be a part, a regular part of how we're doing life each day. And so where have I seen God faithful? Then number six, talk to your father. Take the data that you have just gathered, the fears, the anxiety, the worry, what you think may be causing that, where the promise that, that you see that God has made, the faithfulness that you've seen God exhibit in the past, and take it to your father and talk to him about it. Let him know what you're thinking. Let him know what you're feeling. Let him know the fears that you have. And oh, by the way, he already knows. But he loves to hear from us. And it's amazing how that starts to shape and change our thinking in the midst of that as we take it to our Heavenly Father. And we share that with him. And then number seven. Get busy. Start caring for someone else. Get busy doing the things that God has called us to. Start obeying God in the things that He's called us to. God said what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Start loving God and loving the people around you. You'll be amazed at when we just start concentrating, seeking first the kingdom of God, and we start seeking His righteousness, the things that He's called us to, and we start to get our eyes off of what it is that we're afraid of and what it is that we're trying to build in our kingdom, and we start putting it on God's kingdom and start getting active doing the things that God has called us to do, you'll be amazed at how the anxiety level will go down and the faith level will go Go up. And that's literally what he's calling us to do in seeking first his kingdom and saying, get your eyes off of all of your problems, what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and those things, and get your eyes on me, Jesus is saying. Get your eyes on what I'm trying to do in building this kingdom because I've got you covered. There's a hedge of protection around you. I got you covered. I'm not going to let you go. How many of you? That have children maybe played this game, and I this would happen sometimes when the kids were maybe two or three years old. It was before they really started swimming well, after they were a baby, but but enough that they were very reactive, but yet not really swimming on their own. And we we would be at a pool. And I think of one time of being at a hotel pool. And we're in the three foot end and, and I had one of the kids and they're, they're holding them and, and we're playing and throwing stuff around and, and having a good time. And then we start playing this game and we say, okay, let's go to the deep end now. 
And so we're going to move from the three foot in to the five foot in. And so I'm holding them and we take a step this way and the water kind of goes up a little bit on the child and on me. And we start the deeper, deeper. And about this time I'm going deeper because there's holding on so tight. And with some of the kids, you would see just just a, uh, an excitement on their face. And with one of our ch- ch- children, you would just see extreme terror on their face. And we go deeper, deeper, all the way to the five foot end. Let's be honest, when you're five nine, five foot's pretty tall. I mean, so it's right up to here. And the kids are just hanging on for dear life and so afraid. Oh my goodness, what if dad drops me? And the irony is, they'd have drowned in three foot of water just the same as they'd have drowned in five foot of water. It didn't matter. It was dad holding them that was keeping them up the whole time. Is that you? As the pressures of life and the things, and we're getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and we're getting more and more afraid because... We think we're in control of things. And the reality is the same father that was caring for us there is the same father that's caring for us now. Just trust your father. That's the message this morning. Change your focus. Replace your worry with faith. So let me ask you this question. So where's your attention? What is it that you're seeking after? What is it, whose kingdom are you trying to build? What is it that you're doing to build your kingdom? How does my thinking about this need to change this week? Or maybe say it this way, what is it that I may need to set down? And turn my focus away from it. And turn my focus to my heavenly father. And start going hard after his kingdom. And what he wants to do in me. Through whatever the circumstances that he's allowing in my life right now. Let's pray.